Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Forever. Dog. The Danissance. The Danissance. The busiest in the biz. Welcome to Double Threat. My name is Tom Sharpling, and I'm in Los Angeles. I'm Julie Klasner. I'm in New York City. The Dan. Yeah, this is the Denisons. <laughs> no, to it's the Denisons. It's not the. Look, we are still in a post Denisons kind of like the afterglow of talking about that, and we can't stop thinking about the Denisons. Right. And people are like, the country's healing. It's going through a tough time. And I'm like, tell me about it. I liked when our president said Mm. that it is time for America to experience a (laughs) renaissance. And to give respect to the busiest in the biz. Dennis Quaid. Which I have to say, of all the people, of the one adjective I'd have to... I would not use the adjective busy if I was going to describe Dennis Quaid. Yeah, no, he does some he does some like insurance commercials. And then I, like he did those and I was kind of just like, oh, wow, I haven't seen this dude in years. And it's like he's not exactly busy unless he's like building a shed or something that like it's like you don't know what I'm doing that makes me busy. I had to retile this whole patio. Well, he's a little bit. Bu- well, busy. I think he meant busy like. B-I-Z-Z-Y, like show busy. Okay. So he's the busiest guy because he's show. I don't think he's that either. It's like, do you see him at premieres and stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Premiere for what? What is he um, premiere for? You oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now. I thought you said opening and I was thinking, yeah, okay. I saw him at the opening of a car show. <laughs> what if he's showing up at premieres in like quarantine that like. He's just like at, he's outside the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion now, just like, just like he's the only one there in a tuxedo outside. Like, I'm here to see Wonder Woman. Wow, I'm early. Yeah, I guess I'll get a front row seat, <laughs> which would be weird to want a front row seat at a movie to be like, that's the desirable seat. Yes, that's the only way Dennis Quaid could pay attention. Where does a Julie Klausner sit at a movie theater if it's empty and she has her pick of every seat? Let me, I think you're two thirds of the way back, dead center. You are so close. It's two thirds of the way back, aisle. Okay. I need an escape route. Sure, sure. 
What about you? Well, I have a bit of a, it's a bit of a production for me because I really like those, uh, those uh, seats in the very front row in the absolute corner. Those are my favorite seats at the theater. A lot of people think they're the worst seats. I think it's the best because the movie you see the bottom third is really big. Right. And then if you're in the corner, you see the bottom third corner. You notice things. The, the last movie I was in the front row for was Spy starring Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. And I got the gist. You got the gist being in the front row? Absolutely. I didn't see all of it, but I saw enough to say I get it. She's that, a spy. She was a spy. And we loved her. She was the spy who we loved. The spy we loved me. Yes. Yeah, I would have said I'll come back later if it was just the front row for Spy. I'd be like, yeah, I'll come to the next. It was one of those nights where I had to get out of my apartment. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've seen movies in that state. Oh, yeah. No, I've gone. I've gone to the movies where I was just like, I don't know where else to go. I guess I'll just go see what's happening. I'll get a ticket to something. And then then there I am seeing cop out in the middle of the day in Manhattan being like, I could probably, I could fall asleep here. This will be good. Like between, like sometimes I'll go into, I would go into New York with meetings where I have like a 11 o'clock meeting and then you have a three o'clock meeting. It's like, well, what am I going to do with those two and a half hours? I'll just go see a movie. You go to the AMC, you go to the AMC on 42nd street where I think Mm -hmm. they actually give you pillows. Yeah. And airplane blankets. Only the, you know, in airplanes, how they come in bags? Yeah. Yeah, no, not these. These don't, these are just, a, there's just a stack of them. You, well, it's more like a bin and you just grab, they're not folded or anything. <laughs> so you reach in. Yeah, you reach in, you take one, you take a little schnooze. Mm-hmm. I am wondering what the last movie you walked out of was in the theater. Do you remember? It was such a long time ago when we were even in movie theaters. It's been a while since I walked out of a movie. Um, it was knocked up. <laughs> At what point did you walk out when he was trying I, to get a job? You're like, no way. You should be true to yourself. Be I said, a- yep. I said to myself, if I don't laugh in the next five minutes, I'm leaving. And then I left after I didn't laugh for five minutes. They were arguing about baseball cards or something. And I was just like, yeah, right. I, I'll go. If Even if I get my car washed, that'll be a better use of today than seeing what happens with the rest of this movie. And I will also say, like, it's tough not to make a thing out of walking out. You don't mm-hmm. want to just say, eh, you want to be like, that's it. Yeah. I'm out of here. I'm in a huff. Who's with me? <laughs> Who's with me? Yeah. Let's go to the other theater and we'll walk in. We'll watch Men in Black 3. Which I've seen. Is that international? No. Men in Black three, 3 was the time travel one with Bill oh, Hader with as Jer- Andy with, Warhol. And, and Jermaine? Yes. Jermaine was the villain in Men in Black 3. So what was Men in Black 2? Men in Black 2 was the one that oh, was not very good. That with, was like, um, what's her name? Lara Flynn Boyle? Yes. And it was also the one where David Cross played a second character <laughs> in it. Where just yeah. like, 
He was killed in the first one. He was killed in the first one, and then he played a different person in the second one. Just like, look, I know David Cross is funny, but it's like, is are these the men in black players that we're <laughs> dealing with here? We're just like, and portraying the clerk at the mortuary at the city morgue. You know David him as Cross. the clerk. We hi everybody. We are the Men in Black players. To start out, we do need a suggestion from the audience. Everything you're gonna see here is completely original, made up on the spot. You will never see it again. Can we please get a suggestion from the audience? Uh, yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, just uh, just spit it out. Uh, just anything that comes uh, to mind. Men in Black. Okay, that's the name of our group. We would love it if you had a suggestion. You know, let's just start with like a, a place. How about a place? Can you guys think of a place or a setting? Uh, yeah, I got a place. Uh, New York City. Okay, fine. New York City. Thank you. Wait, I need one more thing. Yeah? What kind of aliens are there? Carillions. Okay, thanks. And then I have a few more questions. Yes. Um, Is Will Smith in it or not? Yeah, he's okay. in it. He, yeah, he, he what? Jay. Right, Jay. Yes, 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 Jay. Okay, thank you. I only have five or six more questions. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Uh, you're, you're, you're expecting a fair amount out of me. I'm an I audience know. member. Sorry, sorry, you're the only person in the audience. Should I come up on stage? Would it I be wish you wouldn't. I wish you would not. I really wish you wouldn't. What are you guys doing? <laughs> I want sugar. The great idea is that there's one guy in the improv troupe who only plays him. Yeah, they just bring him out. All right, <laughs> come on out. What's going on? Oh, I need sugar. <laughs> These are the impressions I do that are that make me irresistible to men. That one, and uh -huh. then I also do what's her name from Throw Mama from the Train. Okay, so let's set the mood now. Let's do a scene like it's a, mm -hmm. it's a romantic dinner. And yes, we just met on Hinge. And it's like, so uh, you're a performer, huh? I am, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it's, you do, you know, it's, it's comedy. Fun. You do it's, comedy? I like to make people laugh. Like which character? Do you do characters or is it just I, you doing a monologue not, stuff? Not, not really, not really. You don't do any characters? <laughs> I mean, I, I mean. Uh, see, Come on, do a character for me. I, all right, okay. Uh, have, you seen have you seen Throw Mama from the Train? Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it a long time ago. Okay, remember uh, the woman who plays Mama? Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'm. I'm. This is. This is. She goes a little something like this. Owen. 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 That's that's. Okay. Do you want to get married? <laughs> hey, I'm getting a call here. You, I gotta... I, you don't even have a phone. Um. No, this is great. I'll be right back. I'm just going right. to. I'm going to take this call in the men's room. Do you want to hear my impression of Vincent D'Onofrio in Men in Black? I do actually. You sit sit back down. <laughs> God, more <laughs> death, more food for my people. Thanks a lot, Your Highness. He says that at the end when yeah. he <laughs> You guys just had to mess it up. It's great. That movie's great. It's and it's only ninety minutes long too, which is the craziest thing ever. 
It's perfect. It's a perfect movie. Except for the one, there's a couple parts that like make me uncomfortable. One is that it ends on a Dennis Rodman joke. Two is that there's a scene where, um, is it, who, who's the, the gal in it? She's great and I can't think of her name. Oh, uh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Linda Fiorentino. Yeah, yeah. She's excellent and she's like trying to let Will Smith know that there's like, an alien mm-hmm. like underneath her and she keeps pointing down and be like, I really want to show you something. And she, and he's like, Oh, you're, you're coming on to me really strong. And you're like, how stupid is this character? Yeah. Yeah. What, what woman would be like, I really need to show you something. And then, yeah. And then they're pointing at their nether regions. <laughs> and he's and like, he's just like, in a morgue also. <laughs> Don't forget, it's a morgue. That it's a morgue. She's, she's a morgue she's worker. She's so turned on at the morgue. Right. That she just met him. She's like, she's she's beside herself. And then she goes, no, I really need you to see this. And she points down and Will Smith goes, oh, I will. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Those might be two of the moments that. Uh, Imperfect. That I don't like. I also don't like watching the bugs get smushed. Because you like the bugs. I just I look I don't like the bugs, but I still don't like hearing that crunch when he's like, "Oh, was that your auntie?" Do you uh, think that if you were like a gaffer, the guy that makes those sounds, you would be really pleased with yourself that you figured out like if you just kind of take a mallet to a Frito that mm-hmm. you'll have what um Barry Levinson needs from you and he'll be like, "That's great." And you'll be like, "I took a mallet to a Frito." Yeah, Sonnenfeld, not Levinson. Oh, sorry, Levinson, Levinson Sonnenfeld, Diner, right? Diner? Oh, I never got through that movie. No, no, that movie blows. It's just um, like, look, look at you want to hear these white guys talk for two and a half hours? Get it's like, really oh, mad. oh, may I? And get may really I? Mad about baseball statistics? Oh, I could just, you know what? I could sit next to. I could like sit next to some boring baby boomers at a restaurant and overhear a conversation that's better than diner. Diner sucks. Men in black rules. I didn't see international. Is it good? No. Ask me if you should see it. Should I see it? Sure. (laughs) I do want to see it. You will. Oh, you will. You will. Chris Hemsworth is... He's hunky, but he's funny, too. Yeah, which is my favorite kind of comedian. Exactly. Like a guy who's benching 450 pounds and then he can go and do a yes and a minute later. He's shredded and then he's headed to my funny bone. (laughs) Shredded and headed. Hemsworth. Now he's he's not my that's not my jam. That dude. I wouldn't recognize him if he were right in front of me at this very moment. Because well, if he's right in front of you at your very moment, I'd be scared. I'd be what's he doing in your apartment? Well, oh oh, I will, I will. He'd say, "I need you to see this." I go, "Oh, I will, I will." Oh, Usually, when a guy a, points uh, to his dick, he's like, "I need Julia. you to see this," and I'm like, "Oh, I will." There's something I need to show you. He's, uh, he's an Aussie, right? He's like, yeah. Oh, uh, Julie, there's uh, something I need to show you. Oh, I'll see it. I'll see it. I'll no, see no, it. No, it's quite important. I, I know. Oh, I. Oh, yeah. You know it is. 
Because you've never seen any Marvel movies. He's a big shot in that world. I That's not true. I walked out of Iron Man mm-hmm. when he started to eat Burger King at that press conference. Mm-hmm. And I did see Spider-Man. I saw the original Spider-Man. Is that Marvel or is that That's something? Marvel, yeah. But okay, it, I saw Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire and Kristen mm-hmm. Dunst. I did see that. Sure. Um, so when you saw Iron Man and you left, you were like, I am walking out. See you later. I think this movie sucks. So I'm going to go next door and eat. Please pick up your coat. I'm trying to move down the aisle to leave. I was just thinking of something when you said about Chris Hemsworth and how I wouldn't recognize him if he were right in front of me because he's that generic kind of handsome. Mm -hmm. I was watching a Marx Brothers movie last night and I was thinking about Zeppo and how much Zeppo sucks shit. Mm -hmm. And I will give this. There's only one thing I will say about Zeppo that is not bad. Yeah. Which is that Zeppo has a distinctive enough profile that you know who he is when Mm -hmm. you see him. So Zeppo is which was a Groucho. We all know is the main fella in the thing. And then Harpo has the horn. Harpo. I I love Harpo. I loved Harpo when I was a little girl. And then Chico is the one who's like, I'm trying to tell you the thing. Right. Yeah. Right. He's always doing that. Right. That thing. And then who is Zeppo? What's he do? He's inter- He's handsome and he gets to sing a song called I Love You Truly. Oh, so it's and one of those bums yes. who they always stuck in these movies. Just like we need a normal handsome guy in this. If we're going to have these trolls running around being entertaining, <laughs> we need a boring handsome person to strike a balance it's like a balance between what good and not good yeah funny and boring well it was also like at one point he was there was gummo not the movie but that's where he named them he named the movie after that mark's brother he did not he did he absolutely did he's obsessed with the mark's <sighs> brothers yeah well okay i follow his wife on instagram and then She'll put pictures up of uh, like every once in a while, just be like the two of them sitting in the backyard. And you're just kind of like, nice having a Harmony Corrin's having a pretty normal life. He's got a wife and a kid and they live in Nashville. And oh, they do. Yeah. And then she posts these TikTok things. She'll put them on Instagram Mm -hmm. uh, of her and her daughter dancing. And they're really sweet and charming to me and the daughter has the best name i think any kid could ever have what's that lefty (laughs) that's great (laughs) like that is kind of a perfect name lefty that's really funny yeah i love that that's like the new dusty yeah yeah dusty and lefty Sounds like we're putting uh, oceans uh, uh 14 together here ocean 14 only with mules so it's just 14 mules? Yes. 14. What is that song? 16 tons, only it's 14 mules? Yeah, you got Some 14 people mules. people say a man is made out of mud. A poor man's made out of muscle and blood. I just want to say it was so easy to get famous in the past. You could be just like a buffoon like that. 
and be like, oh, boop, 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 boop. Like the guy can't even sing. He's just like singing a song that's three, has three notes in it. And it's huge. And he's super successful. All he took is, you got 16 Teen tons. tons. And what, what do you, do you get? get? Another, Another day older and deeper in debt. debt. And you're just like, wait, you're successful? Like that's you should get booed off the stage at a talent show for that. Like a talent show should be like, and then here comes uh, Sandman Sims sweep sweep you off. You show up, you start doing that. You got sixteen, 16 tons. tons. And what what do, you- do you get? <laughs> that must. <laughs> No, 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 no. Those moments when people got kicked off a of Showtime at the Apollo and they're like, it's the most heartbreaking thing ever. Everyone's laughing at the failure. It's so nobody. It's like, I'm going to come out. I'm going to start doing this, this, this song. I start singing. It, and if you flub one, one millisecond of it, suddenly it's like the audience is like, boo. And no! If you heard the siren and you knew the Sandman was coming, yeah. would you speed up? Would you stop? Or would you divert? Would you like completely change paths? I think I would accept the sweep. I'd have to get swept off. So you just give up? You just stop singing? You can't do yeah. that. Well, That's because the gonna... music is so because the siren's so loud and you're you're done at that point. You can't. You yeah, can't but, override Sandman. But you're going to cheat the audience out of you going, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> is that what the Metallica song Enter Sandman is about? <laughs> it goes, yes, originally that. And then it was like, yeah, the song's over. I'd like that if he swept Metallica off their own stage. swept Lars Ulrich. Yeah. Off the stage. Sleep with one eye open. Clutching your pillow tight. What a dumb lyric that is like. What Clutching a your pillow from, tight. From metal fans. You know how guys, you just see you're in bed and you're scared and then you grab your pillow tight. <laughs> you you know when you nestle with your blankie because you're, um, you're nervous. You Metallica fans were all a little scared. At night, sometimes I know it's 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 easy to get scared at night. What if so you it just clutch my pillow tight, and then the my pillow guy uses it as a jingle? That would be the greatest thing if that guy, because it is Enter Sandman. You know what I mean? Like it is yeah. about sleep in a way. So, so he's our Sandman now. That guy. So that you're trying to sleep, and then that guy appears alongside your bed. To put little throw sand in your to make you sleep. Hey, it's me, the my pillow guy. You sleepy? <laughs> You're trying to fall asleep, and suddenly that maniac. You feel something, something tickle your your face, and it's his cross hanging down. Oh, gross! Oh, that's a gross. What would be the worst sensation? Feeling that cross, or feeling his mustache? The cross, because there's more dangling. Like, there's more dangling and there's, like, a gentle brushing. What would be worse, the cross hitting your nose or his mustache tickling your ear? I'd throw up if the mustache (laughs) hit my ear. I would literally start throwing. I don't care. I would start barfing 
and I wouldn't stop until like I came all the way out of myself and was inside out like a cartoon. <laughs> It'd be like um, that scene in the Monty Python movie with the guy's just throwing up all over the place. That would Mr. be you. Mr. Mr. Creosote. Mr. Creosote. Can you do an impression of him? Better get me a bucket. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Hey, where did you go? I lost another date. I think this app is broken. Dear Tinder, I'm not normally the type that writes letters, but I have to. I have to complain about something. I take issue with uh, your clientele. (laughs) Yes. You clearly are not matching me with people who enjoy my impressions, like Mama <laughs> or or Edgar from <laughs> Men in Black or Mr. Creoset from Monty Python and the Meaning of the Life. The Meaning of Life. And then all of a sudden my phone dies. I'm like, wait a minute. This is the new like high tech they hung up on me. If my phone <laughs> dies and then you see that frowny face that you see when your phone is just not. Have you ever seen that on like an iPod? You see a little frowny face. That means it's unfixable. No, I've never seen that's that's insulting to, for them to do yeah. that. It's just like uh-huh. we're gonna just put a little frown. That'll make them feel good when they realize they've got to spend another nine hundred dollars. <laughs> little frowny face on the way out. Well, at least my phony is sad too. Sorry, I'm not gonna work no more. Bye. <laughs> Daisy, 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 give me your answer true. I told you that I saw 2001 recently and that I was really surprised by how much of like a theater hag Hal was. Oh, no, Hal is... How's the only human in the entire movie, really? Yeah. He's the only yeah. one who's just like, Man, I kind of cheated chess a little bit, and I, uh, I'm kind of insulted that you're not, you're ignoring me, and you guys. You're talking sure trash to have a about party me. Going there. Yeah, that hurt my feelings. Yeah. And also, I know a fun song I want to sing. Yeah. Do you want yeah. to hear it? It goes. I read your lips. Yeah. I, re- I read your lips. It was like I don't like when Hal sings Daisy. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Are you sick of Hal singing Daisy all the time? <laughs> like they're in the pod. Yeah, it's like hiding. learn another song. Yeah, and he's a he's a computer. Can't fit another song in there. Bugle boogie woogie bugle boy of Company B. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. 
Now, I'm being told by our producer, Brett, that we need to clear the decks today. Yes. That he said this is he has the the he said this is the Moby Dick of clips. He said this is the Moby album play of clips. Yes. And he's a dick, so <laughs> do you think that's a weird isn't that a weird thing? Moby Dick? Like <laughs> like like he like writes these books about hanging out in Natalie Portman's dorm room or whatever. And then just like she's like a child and then you're just yeah. like yeah moby dick imagine having to go on the record being like just say, i never dated him and then he doubled down remember he did double down and then he was finally like i realized that maybe it's not appropriate to have hung out in the dorm room of an 18 year old well and i it was also like but we did date she's like uh, no we didn't you just imagine him skulking that harvard campus Gross. Yikes. Yeah, so this is the Moby Dick of clips. And this was uh, submitted by listener Chuck. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's, like Tom says, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wow, we really need this is, you know, th- this deserves uh, uh, maybe a little extra time than we normally give. And I don't know if this is um, uh, the business or a podcast rescue. It's kind of it's kind of a little bit of both. Um, but, uh, the long and the short of it is, um, Alec Baldwin had Woody Allen on his podcast Ah! this week. (laughs) And, uh, uh, they did it, uh, over zoom. Oh uh, my God. And, uh, zoom. What? As soon as he set up my zoom. Is that the child show on? The child show on I had a, I had Channel a, 13. I had a <clears throat> fascinating girlfriend who <clears throat> loved watching Zoom. I, I, I once met with uh, Morgan Morgan Freeman, who was the... He, he portrayed Easy Rider on... <laughs> Easy Reader on Zoom. <laughs> I think that was um, the electric company. The electric... Oh, see? Look, I'm messing it all up. Zoom's the one with the kids dancing around, right? Yeah, there's that. There was three, two, one contact... The 70s was just full of like, just let's get a colorful background and get these kids to just, you know, flail their limbs around and then we'll all go home. Man, I'm going to lose so much cred in the <laughs> retro children's community. <laughs> community. How long? Messed oh, up Zoom and Easy Rider and then the electric and company. The, oh, it's humiliating. And you said Easy Rider instead of Easy Reader. I'll never be able to show my face in another one of the get togethers. Ever again. Those get-togethers where everybody has an ankle bracelet on? Yes. They would be held um, at the Sabaros across from Penn Station. (laughs) (laughs) We'd meet at that pretty cool Sabaros that... (laughs) And then there's this one guy that calls it S. Barros and you never correct him because he's No, we just let that... Yeah, we're scared to just tell him that it's not S. Barros. So this is Alec Baldwin's podcast called Here's the Thing. And the title of the episode could not be (laughs) (laughs) the title could not be catchier or more elegant. We might not get past the title on this episode. (laughs) It's called On a Zoom Call with Woody Allen. I'm Alec Baldwin. 
and you're listening to Here's the Thing. It's the Alex Ons. I've admired Woody Allen's work for as long as I've loved movies. I've hosted parties where the only activity is just watching Broadway Danny Rose together. He's been All making right, movies for 50 stop. years now. And he stop, ho- stop, stop. <laughs> what is that? What are that? these parties? Why are these parties? That's not Ooh, a party. This Wednesday, 8 p.m., another Broadway Danny Rose party. <laughs> Come dressed as your favorite character. Another like- one of my famous... Broadway Danny Rose parties. <laughs> and just remember, because last time there was socializing. No talking. No. Once the movie begins, your mouth is the zipped, mouths go shut. Or else I will choke you with my bare hands. If you talk during Broadway Danny Rose, I will come over to you and punch you in the mouth. <laughs> I don't care if you're A an 80-year-old man. I don't, I don't care if you're... Three-year-old child. My child, my child. I will punch my own child in the face (laughs) if she talks during Broadway Danny Rose. If you can't make it this week, there'll be another next week. I'll be hosting a double feature showing Broadway Danny Rose twice. (laughs) Twice! (laughs) By the way, one more thing about the title. It's... I think it's one of those things where the producer called him and they were like, what's the title for this? And he goes, not now. I'm on a Zoom call with Woody Allen. Yeah. Great. We got it. Why did you put that as the title? <laughs> I'm going to have so, to come over. I'll punch you in the mouth. <laughs> I'm breaking quarantine. I'm breaking quarantine to break every one of your knuckles with a hammer. Oh, Manhattan. Hannah and her sister's radio days. They're some of the best movies ever made. They've got the funniest lines in modern cinema, and though he denies it, profound insights into psychology and the human condition. I've acted in three Woody Allen movies, and each one was a highlight of my career. And like just about everyone, I've followed his story. One part of the very private Woody Allen story is very public. In 1992, Woody and his ex-wife, Mia Farrow, were in the midst of a bruising custody dispute. Mia discovered that Woody had been having an affair with her 21-year-old daughter. While the dispute was raging, Mia told a psychologist that Dylan Farrow, her and Woody's seven-year-old daughter, accused her father of an incident of sexual abuse. There was an investigation in New York State and Connecticut, and no charges were filed. And Woody Allen has always maintained his innocence. Right, can you, hit can you just pause it for a second? And I- what, is, what is this? A giant, giant, he's clearing the, he's clearing the air before this? It's just such a strange way of presenting what happened. It's I like, didn't run from what it, I did it in the intro. Yeah. It's like, do you think, do you think he asks him about any of it? Or is he yeah, just going to get it out of the way Soft, during this? Softballs, softballs. Yeah. No question. I think um, it's like having Hitler on and being like, so, you know, the Jews accused him of uh, doing things that yeah. were During the nice. intro. <laughs> My guest, Adolf Hitler. has a, uh, his, his private life became public when Jews accused him of sending them to alleged camps. <laughs> Yeah. He was never convicted. 
of any of these crimes. Yeah, it's because he killed himself. <laughs> and then he gets that out of the way, and then he's like, he's like, what kind of art did you like to make before you <laughs> found yeah, your voice? Gets, gets right into that part. Yeah. Would you ever consider returning to art? <laughs> In public about that, my inclination is to trust those investigations. I've oh, never claimed please. to be a journalist. Also, we know, my... based on how you... Ah. Yeah, so he's... <sighs> he's people... not interested in... Yeah. Do people know that they don't have to say anything sometimes? Like, if they weren't there, they don't have to be public about, like... I think she. I think she's lying. I didn't think you didn't. You did. I don't think you did it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. There's a there's a thing that you can do if you find yourself and you think you're gonna say something that might not might not be the right thing to say. Just say to yourself. Then it's a. It's just say upside downside. What's the upside? What's the downside? Right. Just ask ups- yourself that sometimes. <laughs> the upside is I might be in Woody Allen's new horrible movie. Yeah. Called um, a stroll on Fifth Avenue, shot in Prague. Yeah, so, but and the downside is everyone will realize I'm just pardoning this monster. Role so. as host of Here's the Thing, but now you know where I stand. Regardless of where you stand, I don't want to make the mistake of cutting the accuser or the accused out of the conversation. Woody Allen has a new autobiography out. <laughs> Apropos of nothing. It's a book that starts at the beginning. Alan was a Brooklyn high schooler who took the subway into Manhattan after school to write jokes for $40 a week. His jokes were a hit, and he met his comedy writing mentors like Abe Burroughs and Danny Simon when he was still in his teens. The book shows that he hasn't lost his touch. I've turned 84, and people for years, you know, said to me, All right. you should do your part of your life. You- Who's doing this bad parody? That's this an is a impression. Really bad That's Woody a Allen. silly impression. I've been for years, <laughs> and I like, like that's a terrible Woody Allen. Whoever's if the, is that Alec Baldwin doing that? Dana is Carvey's is more restrained. I was for years. <laughs> I cannot wait for this. This is sounds like he has porridge spilling out from either side of his mouth. I've been a nightclub comedian, a television writer, a radio writer. I've directed on stage. I've written for the theater. I've, you know, done films. I've played jazz. And they said you must have a lot of stories that are are interesting or amusing or worthwhile or informative. And, uh, and so I had nothing to do for a while. I had time off. So I wrote them out in the hopes that uh, maybe people would enjoy reading them or learn something. It's much more accurate than the things you see in the movies. When you see radio days or movies that are presumably autobiographical, all those little bits that are gathered from my life are greatly exaggerated and hopefully made funny. You're seeing enormous distortion for theatrical reasons and for entertainment reasons. And in your what a, films, what a, bore, you what a don't boring creep! Mean- Can you hit pause? He's a he's a creep and he's boring. He's 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 that was that was that was the. That was the most self-absorbed thing. Answer, like, why'd you write a book? 
Well, I, you think I, for years I've had stories and from yeah, the movies and, and the, the what, jazz and the, the, the I played jazz and I, I wrote for television. And, you know, and, it's more uh, accurate to tell it as a story instead of you know in radio days it was not completely accurate. And I had uh, some time off. And, uh, because my new I've been canceled. Because I got my new movie is going to be filmed. It's a Zoom. A zoo, it's a, It's on Zoom. Uh, you're in it right now, actually, Alex. <laughs> you know, this it's is called, fantastic. It's called, <laughs> my new movie is called uh, "On a Zoom Call with Woody Allen." That's brilliant, Woody. Woody, that's the most brilliant thing I've. I'm going to hold a party tonight. <laughs> Screening your new movie on a Zoom with Woody Allen. Oh, yeah, okay. Fine. It's uh, very exciting. <laughs> the Zoom. In Annie Hall, there's a wonderful moment when you go to the meeting with the entertainer. Johnny Hamer played the entertainer. Uh -huh. Great to see you all out there. It's swell. To see, and he's singing the song and you're sitting there glazed over. And, and not that you disparage people in the book, but you're much more direct. You say, I loved Hope and Hope's movies were funnier than Jerry Lewis. Yes, in a movie, you just want to entertain. That's all you want to really do. That's all I wanted to really do. In the book, you, you want to you know, tell the truth. Do I think this guy's funny? Do I think this movie's funny? Do I love this? And, and I can understand their interest because I work in the field. Just like if I speak to an athlete, I want to know, what do you think of this hitter? What do you think of this basketball player? What, you know, I want to hear it from someone who's in the field. Field. And so to a certain degree, I've, I've included my feelings about uh, these things in the book. So Opinions. people <laughs> might find it interesting. The, the um, You left out, by the way, in your list of jobs you've had, you left out degenerate gambling. Uh, yeah, I uh, was yeah. for no fun would work hard at poker and studied it and practiced and I got in to win. Everyone else was playing for pleasure. They were having a good time and enjoying their lives. I was sitting there, you know, like uh, sweating like a mole. God forbid <laughs> I should make a mistake or make a wrong bet or do something. And uh, I did win money consistently over the years. Now, when you go back, oh, I mean, the, the beginning pause, of the... Please. This is Alec Baldwin laughing when he said sweating like a mole is so depressing. Yeah. <laughs> he like had like a, like that just blew him out of the water. Did you ever hear what Orson Welles said about Woody Allen? What did he in say? That, in that lunch. That book? The, that lunch yeah. was with, what did he say? He, um, I actually would like to read it to you. Can I do that? Mm -hmm. Can you hold on one second? Let me grab yes, it. Yes, of course. There's a book called My Lunches with Orson, where the filmmaker Henry Jaglum, uh, some people say, recorded Orson Welles without his knowledge, but he denies that. Um, he says, uh, I hate Woody Allen physically. I dislike that kind of man. <laughs> and then Henry Jaglum says, I've never understood why. Have you met him? Oh, yes. I can hardly bear to talk to him. He has the Chaplin disease. That particular combination of arrogance and timidity sets my teeth on edge. Like all the people with timid personalities, his arrogance is unlimited. 
Anybody who speaks quietly and shrivels in company is unbelievably arrogant. He acts shy, but he's not. He's scared. He hates himself and he loves himself. A very tense situation. It's people like me who have to carry on and pretend to be modest. (laughs) He hates him. He hated Woody Allen so much. Orson rules. He's so cool. That guy's so cool. He pulled. He's one of the only people that could pull off a cape. <laughs> Someday I'll wear a cape. He couldn't even. He, and he actually did need help to pull it off. He needed a. He did. Yes, he needed. He couldn't reach. The lovely Oya Kodar will help. Oya Kodar helps cape. me pull off my cape at night. Oya, my cape is tangled. Please. And then it, <laughs> Oya, I have to visit the toilet again. The Toya. <laughs> Oya, goes, please. Oya, oh boya. I love ya. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh boy yeah. I love ya. I gotta go to the Toya. Toya. <laughs> to the Boya's room. Please help me un uncinch my cape. <laughs> Boy, this show is skewing to the right demographic, huh? Or- not at this point we've added to the old Batman show references. Yeah. Uh, uh, references to Orson Welles's lover, yeah, named Oya, Oya Kodar, and we talked about her like everybody knew who she was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of course, Oya Kodar. You know Oya Kodar. <laughs> his 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 yeah. You his know, his lady basically the ingenue lover. for f for f for fake. Obviously yes. the ingenue of that. You know. Yes, of course everybody knows that. Yeah, right now Gilbert Gottfried is like I don't know who these people are <laughs> that they're talking about. Gilbert Gottfried is confused at the references. We've got to have we've got to have him on the show. That'd be great. Such a good idea. There's a volume of people who are familiar with your filmmaking, with your stand-up routines, and so forth, going back to the earliest days of your career. But your childhood itself, for people who don't uh, know that part of your life, you said, "Listen, I'm wearing the glasses, and you think I'm an intellectual, and I'm not an intellectual." And I could throw a football, I could catch a football, I could play baseball, you know. You, you Yeah, I would have rather been a baseball player. And I, I have fantasies that we would have had a much better life. It would have been more fun. But I am um, perceived, because of what I look like, as a bookworm or, or a shrink or an accountant or a, an intellectual. Right, I have the pause, wait, a pause, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a he minute. He knows he can pick out different glasses when he goes to the optometrist, right? He doesn't need right. the cartoony horn rim glasses that worked just perfectly for little little caricatures and things He's and, acting like he was like he was forced to wear those glasses. Well, and that also he was really close to being yeah. you know, drafted for the batting fourth. The Brooklyn Dodgers. For the Brooklyn Dodgers batting fourth, center fielder Woody Allen. Allen Konigsberg. And now and yeah, and it would just be his thing where it'd be like, Hey, did you hear the guy from the Yankees married his daughter? <laughs> Like what, that's, a piece, what a piece of shit. Like, that's where it would have ended up. I just wanted to be a baseball player and you I know, could catch uh, a ball and the throw hot, a ball. The hot wants what it wants. This would be, oh my God, what if we pitched to him? Hmm. You know, Air Bud, right? Obviously. Air Wood. <laughs> right? It's Woody and Allen. Everyone, everyone treats him like he's a dog. He plays Air Bud. 
Okay. Like, maybe, or wait, what's the best version of this? Is it just him? Is it him acting as Woody Allen, but everybody's treating him like a dog? Treats him like a dog. Yeah, everyone's like, Woody Allen basically is like, oh my God, Woody, like, Woody stood up in his hind legs today. I don't know why you people are giving me greenies. My breath (laughs) is fine. I have. My teeth, I brush my teeth twice a day. I brush my teeth with a milk bone. I'd like another, yeah, I'd like some more kibble, please, if I could. (laughs) You know, my cookies are actually good for my gums. I'd like to go out if I I could. (laughs) Could we please go outside on walkies? I think there's some some interesting smells. I'd like to sniff around and check out (laughs) what all the other dogs, what they're leaving. It's kind of like. The way we communicate. Yeah, the only thing keeping the only thing keeping this dweeb away from being a baseball player <laughs> his was his look. His look. I could catch a ball. Like that's like that's the requirement. Hey, like you go to like try out for the mm-hmm. Mets and they mm-hmm. throw a ball. They throw right, a ball at you. Let's let's see where let's see what you got, kid. And they uh-huh. just throw a ball, you catch it. Yeah, not bad, not bad. <laughs> Here's a contract. See if you can catch this now. A contract. Yeah. Is the opposite of an intellectual. I was strictly hung up on sports and comic books and movies and never read a book till I was much older. You know, uh, and and I was very athletic when I was younger. Um, so I would have I would have preferred. I don't think I would have been good enough to to be a major league baseball player. Oh, you but don't quite good. self-awareness. Was, you know, one of the for if not the first one chosen. I was quite good. When you get into the the big leagues, it's a different story. But it would have made my father happy to spend his afternoons at the ballpark and me playing. And you know, uh, that's a fantasy I've always had. But it's a fantasy. Well, I, I want to talk right, about pause. Uh, please, uh, please, please, musician. please. I'm banging. He's so. This is the most delusional. He, like he acts like no. I know. I know. Uh, look, I, I, to get to the big leagues, you have to be better than than just the, like like oh, oh you do you do you have to be you have to be a little better than just great. Oh, I, what a what a. I'm just. A go- I'm a gog. I'm a gog. I'm a gape. I'm a girl no. with her mouth open. I like when he goes, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like he needs to like ramp. He's like an old, he's like an old, like old car phone. that you got to just like rev it. Just you <laughs> yeah. step on the gas while you turn the key. Give it a couple <laughs> more chances. No, I think <laughs> I want to. <laughs> I, think I, I think I should drop it off at the dump. <laughs> Not so fast. I was playing baseball. Yeah, we got it going again. And I realized it's the same with baseball. <laughs> yeah, the car nah, started. Nah, nah, I realized that the baby, oh, he's dead again. I mean, I spent an hour last night trying to get any CD recordings, not vinyl recordings. I surrendered to the fact that I have to go get some vinyl now of uh, Gene Cedric. Uh-huh. You talk about him coming uh-huh. to teach you. Yeah, he was the clarinet player uh, with Fats Waller. I used to go and see him play jazz at uh, Child's Paramount in uh, Manhattan. There'd be a jazz concert every week, and he played, and I'd sit under, I never exchanged a word with him. I just watched him, and one day I called him up, 
and asked him if he, um, I said, I'm that guy that sits in front of you every Sunday afternoon. And he recognized me. And I, I asked if, uh, could he help me? And he said, well, I would have to get $2. Now, even then, <laughs> that was a bargain, you know, because this guy was a great oh, yeah. musician. And he'd come in on the train from Harlem and come over the house and sit in my living room and try as hard as he could. There was a low ceiling that I had of capability. And he brought me a little closer to that low ceiling. Uh, and, you know, I just, it's, it, it's not one of my, uh, my real talents. Please, please stop, please. <laughs> and it was such a low ceiling. <laughs> it's like, it's like if there was a mashup of like Looney Tunes and Disney, it was like, Donald Duck and Elmer Fudd and Elmer Fudd would talk like this and yeah. Donald Duck's like wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it is this is the problem with having heroes in the world is that this is where you end up if you don't if you're not if you're not objective about your your heroes you end up laughing at everything yeah. That this guy says that is not even remotely funny anymore. Um, right. Or not even like kind of re- kind of resembles the shape of a joke, but yeah. not really. Yeah. You, you accept that as being great. And then you start to you start to you excuse everything now, no matter how bad the stuff he did was. You start to just find ways to gloss over it, to power through it. Yeah, even nursing home aides don't laugh at everything you say, and they're paid to hang out with you. Yeah. Um, no, this, I, this. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, Woody also has that thing where, like, all old people think it's really funny to talk about how cheap something once was. Yeah. Um, I paid him $2. Honey. Honey. Hilarious. Come in here. Hilaria, I've got something to tell you that's hilarious. <laughs> Guess how much money? Where are you going? He just starts screaming the word. She's like, she's like, no, 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 I was going to, I just wanted to make sure that, that I didn't leave a drink out on the counter again because you got so mad when I left that one glass just, on the table that time. I was just preparing the living room for the tonight's Broadway Danny Rose party and I, I just had all the Danny, had all the Broadway Danny Rose cocktails. <laughs> figuring, just figuring those out. You, you call to make this sure a signature is- drink? You call this a signature drink? This is disgusting. I'm sorry, sweetie. Tell me again. What did he say about the money that was funny? Two dollars. Oh, that's so funny. I know, right? Yes. Oh, indeed. Not one. Not three. No, two. two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the penguin i saw the penguin come through here a minute ago he said you know, he was gonna take over gotham city the with his and then he ate a raw fish it was fish terrible it came out of the sewer but and it- he had a, a giant and uh the penguin, uh, really. I, I took lessons from the penguin. Uh, and I how took... to, uh, you know, smoke a long cigarette. A cigarette from a, a long cigarette holder, which I always thought was very elegant. I thought so it was very would... 
the penguin. And he, he would was, take the train down from Gotham. And he know. could shoot bullets from his umbrella. <laughs> and I took, I once, I was very good at shooting bullets from my umbrella. And not good, maybe not great enough to become a, a professional villain the way uh, the penguin <laughs> but I, was. But I was very good <laughs> at that at the time. And uh, I had... <laughs> I could have been a, a villain of uh, a Batman. And, and really... You know, I could have really vexed Batman. I really could have gotten <laughs> under his cowl. I could have been uh, written jokes that could have perplexed Batman. I actually did write for the Riddler back. Uh, there was yeah, a point you know, when it was uh, always it was easy. It was a setup. You know, the setup was uh, consistent. It would say, "Riddle me this," and then you'd write a you know a, 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 a you know a morsel. It was me and, uh, of course, uh, Doc Simon and, uh, and you know, and, uh, Danny all. Weinstein and, and, you know, Jimmy the Hoots Walker. And, and we were all writing for the for all the villains back then. And uh, no. we would often take the, the subway. It was only they gave us five cents to take the subway back then. <laughs> it, it cost. They paid our so rent. Cheap. If you took the subway, they'd pay your rent. Guess how much the rent was? Nothing. Back then, things were so cheap, they gave you money to do it. And you take the subway, they'd give you three cents. And then that three cents would buy you a car. Then you'd go, you'd buy a car, you'd have some, a little bit left over to go get a egg cream if you wanted to get an egg cream. Then you'd go to a baseball game. And, and then you'd get some fish, you know, the penguin. We'd often take the, 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 we'd often take the E, the e out to Arkham Asylum and uh, it was, it was one cent. And we would write jokes for plenty of the Batman villains out there, the Joker and the Penguin. Catwoman and and Egghead and (laughs) Mr. Freeze and and all of them. And we, me and Doc Simon and, And, uh, you know, Neil Simon and then Simon Cowell. And Simon and Schuster and (laughs) all of them were there. All the Simons were there and... uh, Simon Says was there and he was good and I was very good at Simon Says back then I, you know, I, I could have been a professional I could have been a professional Simon Says player back you know, then because they'll say touch your nose and you shouldn't until it's you know preceded with the right setup you know R- the Riddler wouldn't just say what has four arms and you know so and so they'd say you know riddle me this and then he'd say the you know, so it's the same thing with Simon. That's my little tip. And then Alec Baldwin is just kind of like, <laughs> more wisdom from Woody. He's so smart. And he starts to also realize Woody Allen is dumb. Like, like when he starts talking about stuff, you realize he's a dumb guy who who just kind of feigned being an intellectual because it made sense to fit into that that world of of like New York art. But this is a guy he was interested in comic books and baseball. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think he's I think he doth protest too much with that stuff. I think that he is 
Okay. B- putting in a lot of muscle to like be like, I'm a dumb guy. I, I yeah, never read a, a book in my guy. life. I'm a yeah. regular guy. I could have been a baseball player. It was my, uh, it was not my fault. When I was working out, it, uh, I thought I was probably going to be a dock worker back then. I was just a regular guy with a little hard hat on. And uh, my pecs were outstanding. And- you should have seen my delts back then. I was, because <laughs> we were so busy loading the boats and... I don't really have any real talents except as a comedy writer. That's really the only talent I've had. Uh, you know, to, to be amusing has been my only gift. Uh, we were together in Italy for the premiere of To Rome With Love, and we were sitting on a mm. dais. I remember this vividly. And everyone would sit up and say, All right, please hit Paul. Hold on, I hold on. Question please. For- uh, to Rome, first of all, to Rome with love. Ah, uh, yes. Remember, it, remember that classic. Yes, to Rome with love, which, which is a movie that one of the conceits of it is that somebody in it can only sing amazingly in the shower. Is that true? Yes, and the thing is, I when I heard that was the plot of it, I was like, oh, I remember that from an episode of. <laughs> The Flintstones. <laughs> so, you, know, Fre- you know, Fred and Barney had that you know, really interesting friendship. It, it's kind of like Hope and Crosby in so many ways. They were kind of doing the prehistoric road movies back then. They were kind of like, and then they would ride in the car and Fred would run with his feet, would get the car <laughs> get a, going. A giant, you know chop of some kind of meat chop and it would weigh the car down it was you so- know back then i would often take the the i would go to a colony <laughs> records on 42nd street and get some of the bix bider back and the other jazz records and i would put them on the turntable with a little bird would play the uh would be <laughs> would be this the stylus of the the, the turntable um My so clarinet Tyrone, did- was a bird Actually, everything was a bird. Anything that made sound was a bird. How great would a Flintstones thing be if all the animals fought back and were just like, we're <laughs> not going to be your vacuum cleaner. We're not going to be your record player. And it was just a completely violent yeah. Flintstones. They, pe- they, they pecked their eyes out in the first scene. Yeah. They just turn on the cavemen. Um. So you did you see To Rome with Love? No, I did not. I heard that was the plot, and I was like, Woody Allen's now lifting plot lines from Flintstones episodes. <laughs> I take my Flintstones vitamins every day, and uh, <laughs> often I uh, I reward myself with Bam Bam is one I look forward to, but uh, I accept whoever shakes out of the 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 container, and I'll uh, whether it's Fred or Bonnie you know, uh, or Dino is purple. Dino is also one of my favorites. The purple flavor is good. <laughs> Who are they? You know, and they and they wanted to direct all their questions to you, obviously. And when they did ask me a question, I talked about how your greatest gift is as a writer. And I saw you nod your head. There was a slight nod of your head, as if the recognition of your writing is more falling asleep to you than anything. Yeah, I only make the films because I write them. I've never filmed anybody else's script or had any inclination to uh, adapt something. I 
make the film because I write the film and and I just feel I'm the only one who's really going to know how to mount it so it's congruent with what I wrote. I see myself fundamentally as a writer. I direct out of necessity and I try and do the best job that I can. Um, I, I think I've improved over the years. If you look at Take the Money and Run or Bananas when I first started. Forgetting oh, you're right. You mean the two, the, the, two, the two of the good movies? Yeah. If you look at, you know, if you look at Annie Hall and then you look at To Rome with Love. You realize I'm getting better when you look at, <laughs> if you start, you look at, say, Sleep for one thing, and then you look at the Hollywood ending and you realize... <laughs> That I uh, the growth that's you going on. You know, if on. you look at crimes and misdemeanors, that you look at, you will meet a tall, dark stranger. Uh, a lot of people don't real. They need to look at the growth between, like, like bananas and and a movie like, uh, <laughs> and whatever works. Another movie about a old creep. <laughs> And a young woman who finds him sexually irresistible. She can't get enough of him. The films were not. The the technique has improved. I, I think I'm much better filmmaker now. But you know that's just technical, uh, you know, development uh, that comes with years of working. It, I'm doing it only to get my story mounted in such a way that I wish he was real I really wish he would stop I wish he would stop saying mounted so yeah, much me too. It's he gross. said mounted yeah it's Three, like disgusting twice, yeah I'm just trying to get it mounted <laughs> I'm so horny I had mounted uh, speaking of mounted I have a big B- Billy Bass mounted on my <laughs> wall, and it's a fun thing. If you it sings this, you know, terrible rock and roll song. I, there's I, a rock and roll noise. song. It sings. It, it plays. This, uh, it's a really aggressive, noisy rock and roll song. Don't worry, be happy. And <laughs> I find it. I find it's really it's very noise, loud yes. and Just discordant. It's made by extraterrestrials. I don't know what it is. You tell the story about Gene Cedric and the lessons than him coming to you. There's a parallel there with Abe Burroughs and you camping out briefly mm-hmm. in front of the Beresford to see Abe Burroughs. Mm-hmm. Is that a component you think of your success is that you're ready to just show up and say, hey. I wasn't ready. My mother was a pushy lady. I didn't know him from a hole in the wall. And she said, just go over to his house and ring his bell. And uh, I'm, I was such a naive kid. I thought, gee, I guess that's what I should do. And, um, and it turned out that he was a, a lovely guy. He had no connection with me whatsoever, except some vague, tenuous connection with a relative by marriage. I mean, it was really like 10 degrees of separation, but he could not have been warmer or nicer. And it was just one of many good breaks, which I've had Who is he talking about? Relating Who's he to talking my career, about? I've had nothing but luck and good. He's talking about Gene, Jim, Gene Simmons? He, I went over Gene Simmons' house. I was, quite you know, I was, I was writing something for Shannon Tweed at the time. At the time, and I had listened to so many of their records, like "Harder Than Hell," and uh, a lot of people find "Destroyer" to be uh, one of the better records. And I, so I went and rang his doorbell. Also, these guys with this thing 
when they tell these stories, how would Woody Allen like if if you or I went and just started knocking on his door and be like, I want to be in show business. What do I do? Like, he'd be furious. Gimme, gimme. I'm just doing what you did. Please. To Abe Burroughs. It's also like Alec Baldwin so clearly trying to impress daddy. Like, just mentioning these people that he knows have significance to Woody Allen. That he knows nothing about. Right, that he's acting, like, reverent towards. If I was to be Alec Baldwin and you were to be Woody Allen, could we conduct Mm -hmm. a conversation? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so it'd be like, so Woody, when you were on the set of Small Time Crooks, and where did you come up with the brilliant idea to have cookies be a big part of the plot you know it's this one thing i'm good at is thinking of cookies you know i i was just so useless otherwise it's just uh you know it's a it's a trifle and i just you know i i i had to mount it in some way so um so you are uh some would call you'd call yourself maybe a cookie monster <laughs> some in some way <laughs> alec baldwin kind of sounds like cookie monsters like fucked up dad <laughs> yeah just like, like cookies are bad <laughs> you it's like me dad is <laughs> me dad is hardcore me could never impress me dad you need to stop with this love of cookies you pig <laughs> me gotta be me dad this cookie thing is disgusting <laughs> these love of cookies why can't you we had a Broadway Danny Rose screening. The whole time through, I couldn't hear the dialogue because of your incessant <laughs> cookie <Incessant eating>. munching. <laughs> the cookie crumbs were flying everywhere. <laughs> That's how me eat. <laughs> you, I couldn't see the screen with all the cookie crumbs <laughs> flying through the air. Those, those crumbs were small, Dad. Well, I'm sick of it. If I ever find another cookie in this house... Me going to run away. Fine, run away. Run all the way to Sesame Street. <laughs> me will. <laughs> well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever been a part of. I don't know about you, Julie. The idea of Not Alec even... Baldwin as Cookie Monster's dad. and his... Let's go. We only have like okay. 75 more minutes yeah. of this. You got a barrel through it. People helping me and people kind to me. And when I refer to my career as tremendous amount of luck, people say, oh, yeah, it can't just be luck. A huge amount of it is luck. Well, but one thing that was revealed in this book is this engine of a memory. I mean, you remember everything, everybody. If If I wanted to bore the reader of the book, I could pour out many more details about all that stuff. But that's no achievement. You you either remember or you don't. I mean, I didn't research the book. I just sat down and started writing it from scratch and wrote it. Uh, You just remember things or you don't remember them. And, And I do. But what I don't remember is when guys come up to me now and and they'll bark a line at me and I don't know what they're talking Bro. about. And they'll say, it's, it's are they talking about, sure. he's talking about dogs? To, so. Is he talking about dogs? I don't like it when guys bark a line at me. They just come up and they sniff my crotch and they bark yeah. a line at me. I said, I don't remember writing that. It's like, 
Yeah, that's one of my lines. I know that was from a Midsummer Night sex comedy. <laughs> you know, these what? guys, they come up to me in the park and they. Sunni you know. is just like, yeah, he's uh, he's insane now. He he thinks the dogs are fans. And when a dog barks, he thinks the dog is, <laughs> is, quoting. is, is quoting one of his movies. It's quoting Alice. You can be around. I've been around men and women running the studio. They're running the company. They're the head of the agency. And some of them are very erudite people, but not in any way that's going to translate into making movies or so forth. I mean, they they know how to put people together who make movies. You know, Jack Warner, Harry Cohn, these guys, some of them, uh, mm. Zanuck, they didn't know shit about movie making. But what they knew mm. was how to get a hold of people and close the deal with people who did know about movie making and assemble them and put them mm. together. Um now, when you make films, I oh, mean, so there's no uh, question. There was no question yeah, in terms no, of the kind a... of experience you have. Yeah, that was. I've made films uh, where uh, we had a lot of fun and it was a joy. I mm. always separate out how well the film performed. I don't ever think about how successful it was. I think, oh, I had a good time. That was a good expenditure of my time. Mm. I want to start with actors and actresses who are in your career of filmmaking. Uh, just to pick a couple, because there's so many people to choose from, who are actors or actresses that you really enjoyed working with them? You thought, wow, Can you this hit is pause really before a- we get the answer. This is like, this is Alec Baldwin just did the worst thing that you could do at a QA. Yes. Like, that was like, that was like a bad QA right. answer after a screening of a movie. The director's right. there, and somebody's like, I uh, have a. Thing I just want to say. I just want to hear myself say something. I'm interested in hearing myself talk in front of you. And, you know, a lot of the time, these studio heads and Harry Cohn and Daryl Zanuck. Daryl Zanuck, you know. I'm going to mention some names that I believe are familiar to you. And you've worked with actors, and I know I'm close to ending this question, so I'm going to find another detour I could take here to just keep the sound of my own voice going for as long as possible as I hold court and everybody here is looking at me and wondering what I could possibly actually be getting at with this question. And I'm getting there. I just want to say you've made so many movies and worked with so many actors. Alec! We ran out of the the Dasani Danny Rosés. Are you telling me we're not going to be able to have these drinks during tonight's during the late screening of Broadway Danny. Well, Rose. I think we have enough for the 8 p.m., but the midnight movie screening. What about is gonna... the, the, the 1020? There's a 1020? <laughs> I added a 1020 in. Didn't you there, check my app? I, well, I, <laughs> there's just zero tickets sold for that one or zero RSVPs. I forget it's a party. Who it's knows not if a... someone comes in? Okay, we have to screen Alec. the. Fine. Okay. Well, then we just need someone to go to the CVS for more Dasani's. I'm in quarantine, damn it. <laughs> I know. I know. All right, I'll go. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here's this question. I can't Pleasure wait. to work with them. Well, Keaton was certainly, you know, I have a lot of fun working with her. And I've had fun working over the years with yeah. many of the actors and actresses I worked with. I had 
good times with Emma Stone. I had good times with Scarlett Johansson. Very nice times with Naomi Watts. Oh, my God. Off the top of my head, here are three beautiful actresses that I've had the privilege of, you know, of. I had good times with Emma Stone. Ugh. No. I had a good Scarlett Johansson. And they were paid uh, to listen to me. They were paid to like, ugh. And I then I good. met Colin Jost, uh, which was very exciting. He, I'm a uh, huge fan. You know, he um, he's Staten Island strong. I really appreciate that he embodies so much of the the greatness of uh, Staten Island. And, you know, the, the chemistry between him and Che, you, 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 you can't manufacture. I also do want to say here as a side note, Staten Island, I'm all in on Pete Davidson. I'm a fi- making it official. I've watched his stand-up special twice. He's really good in a movie called Big Time Adolescence. I have done a 180. I'm on record. I'm as pro Pete Davidson as you can get. You stand a king of Staten Island. You I have do. no choice stand, but to stand. I stand the king of Staten you, Island. You stand corrected. I stand corrected. Yes. All right. Can we hear more of this monster? The, uh, this morning, Stapleton was a lot of fun to work with. You know, I've been very lucky. I've made 50 movies and I've never had any real conflicts or problems. The, the, we've always had laughs. Elaine Stritch was a lot of laughs. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I keep mentioning women here because <clears throat> so many of my films did feature women and uh, and the ones that didn't, I was the guy uh, so frequently. Uh, I didn't work with a lot of famous men. I worked with some, but not a lot. I remember when we worked together and you would call me Mr. Allen. I thought that was the funniest thing in the world that anybody would refer to me so politely. No one ever called me Mr. Allen before or since. Anybody else hear that jazz? Or am I having a... Mr. Woody Allen. Mr. Allen. Where's Woody? (laughs) Remember on Difficult People, where was Woody found? Where did they find him? He fell asleep in a matchbox. (laughs) (laughs) that was the greatest that's my favorite episode it's the thing i'm most proud of alan is the quintessential manhattanite and has been ever since he formed an instant passion for the borough while visiting times square with his dad as a young child i'm quarantining in manhattan i go out with my wife for a walk in central park new yorkers have responded gallantly and sensibly once in a while you get a boob that doesn't but for the most part they do hold on wait wait once in a while you get a boob that doesn't did he call it once in a a while you get a boob that accuses you of you know molesting your child or something put your mask on your boob You're trying to get me sick? Put your mask on. <laughs> Is he, are he and Sunni going around with masks? What mask do you think Woody Allen has? Oh, what, what do you one think? Of, one of those like gas masks with the two like headlights on the... <laughs> <laughs> one of those like spy versus spy. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she's got the like plague doctor masks like with the beak. Yeah. She's got the... Yeah. But I picture him with... <laughs> 
Yeah, that's perfect that he would have a full gas mask with the two canisters <laughs> on the side. And someone's like, hey, Woody, you stupid child molester. <laughs> the city's made tremendous progress and we'll start to open up, you know, in the near we'll, future. I'm not we'll. one who wants it to open up prematurely because it's pointless. I mean, I'd love it to open up today fully, but, you know, just to have it open up and then take a big step backward with deaths and hospitalizations is pointless. But I, I, I never thought of moving out of it, uh, no, or or going to the country. Or, <laughs> hey, wait a second. Take it easy, pal. I'd rather easy. take my chances uh, in the streets. It's Manhattan. It'll always be Manhattan, and I'll always love it. It's, it is a ghost town, of course, now, but... Uh, you know, but it'll come back. Listen, when 9-11 happened, I went over to Europe like the next day or I was scheduled to. And I was on all the European news shows because I was a New Yorker. And they were saying, Mr. Allen, will New York ever be the same again? Or does this mean the death of humor in New York? I'm thinking, my God, you know, you look up after... A period of time and New York will go on and everyone will be at Madison Square Garden. And they'll be in the theaters. New York is much bigger than these um, terrible things. And it's bigger than the pandemic. The rest of my conversation with Woody Allen coming up. I want to tell you about Here's the thing is supported by Basecamp. If you're trying to manage your team remotely, you're probably hearing a lot of, I never saw that, and way too much. Didn't we already talk about that last week? And a little bit of, Alec, why are you yelling at me? In a never-ending group chat. Can you pause Yes. Basecamp. First of all, Basecamp is not a sponsor of this show. Is that correct? Okay. So we're good. Okay. Basecamp, I don't know what the deal with that is. (laughs) I think it's a a, a charity for cops that have been uh beating protesters up base camp all lives matter i'm organizing a special screening of broadway danny rose for our law enforcement heroes (laughs) for the the 57 uh buffalo officers that resigned i'm bringing my i'm bringing and what if it turns out he's been showing these broadway danny rose things on like a weird vhs tape (laughs) Like, like it's it's like the worst. I'm bringing my 19 inch television and my VHS player up and to if Buffalo. It, you know, if it gets wonky, you know, just hit tracking. If you just fiddle with it, you'll get it. Why won't this? Why is this picture in? Why is yeah? Why is it so wobbly? Hilaria, don't forget to rewind it for the 1020. I figured that the boys in blue would love to get a little break from all the ruckus um and sit back and watch broadway danny rose i have to say i'm a little disappointed that woody allen isn't like open the city already i want a haircut hydro hydroxychloroquine what i mean what (laughs) so he's been giving me a fair amount of hydroxychloroquine and uh, it works fine i'm fine i'm just a little tired it makes me very sleepy but uh, that's the only side effect is that i fall asleep 90 seconds after I take it, but uh, 
but it's working. It's keeping it's it, it and the city will come back. You know, it's just a flu, you know. It really is just a flu. I mean the it's flu a conspiracy in a way, you know. More people die in a swimming pool than they die <laughs> in uh than they've died from the flu. You know, after nine eleven I it was on the first plane out that they let you know with the bin Laden family. It. I was on with the <laughs> Bin Laden family being evacuated from America. I mean, here you are on this perch. How did you feel? How did you feel? Like, like were there ever moments where you thought, I'm going to leave the country and move to Paris and just get the hell away from everybody and everything and just oh, hide? No, I've never felt that way. All, I always felt, you know, don't give any of that stuff. It's all rubbish. Don't waste a moment on it. Just work. And from the day that the false accusation was made, I worked. I did a million films. I wrote for the theater. I toured my jazz band. I played every week at the Carlisle Hotel. I, I, you know, if you just keep your nose to the grindstone and work, I hear the voice of Jack Rowland somewhere, just work. And I've just finished a film in Spain this summer called Rifkin's Festival, Who's in that? Wally Shawn. Hold on, let me hear who's that. Let's hear who's that. He said Wally, he started with Wally Shawn. Spanish actress called Elena Anaya, Gina Gershon. It's a romantic comedy, and it came out better than I expected. When I saw the picture, finally, it was one of the pictures that I had affection for. So just three. Okay, hip hop. I'm going to be organizing uh, screenings of Rifkin's game <laughs> for the uh, law enforcement officials. We can all we can all use uh, you know we can all we can all lose ourselves in the adventures of Rifkin. We can all watch Wally Shawn and Gina Gershon and and this Spanish actress uh, who's uh, who's you know unaware of the allegation. <laughs> She didn't know we were. Fi- she didn't know we were filming. <laughs> they have, the you know, they have, they have looser laws in, uh, you know, Spain. By the way, I have to say how repugnant it is for Woody Allen to basically have. Dis- ed- admittedly, we did not hear the question that ran into it, but I have a feeling it was very ingratiating. But like, that he's basically saying, like, yeah, I was accused of, you know, molesting my my child, but I stay busy, and that's my that's my advice for any of you out there that are. Dealing with keep, the same thing. Keep working. Yeah. And I, wrote I a didn't million run mov- from I wrote a million movies. I never wanted to run from any of this. I just want to. I do want to tell you about my new movie from Antarctica with love. It's <laughs> filmed. It's with, it's with the penguin who plays the penguin. It's it's pretty exciting a movie. It came. The picture came out much better than I thought it, it, it would. I, I it's, thought it was going to be terrible. It's a penguin. It might in the be movie. terrible. It's Wally Shawn and a penguin, and <laughs> that's it. Is in it, and that's it. It's the two of them. It's basically my dinner with Andre with a penguin. <laughs> it's called my penguin with Wally. What a what a gross world. That's all I got. What a gross world. This guy with his. Movies nobody wants anymore. The new guys movie win. I'm doing. I'm doing a new movie. It's a pretty, and I'm still working with great people. This new movie has uh, has the naked cowboy in it, <laughs> and it has uh, 
Ben Margera from yeah, Jackass. Has um, the dancing baby from Ally McBeal. It's pretty exciting. We get the dancing baby from Ally McBeal and Ben Margera. The, the talking and baby from the E-Trade commercials. We got that, and Pete Holmes will be reprising his voice with that. It's v- we got very TJ, exciting. We have T.J. Miller. In your films... I'm assuming that you are the one that chooses the particular songs themselves. You don't have a oh, music yeah. supervisor that's <laughs> no, more. Yeah. Oh, it's please. a very simple thing. We edit the film. I work with the editor. We edit. It's finished. And I simply go into the other room and take some vinyl and bring it into this room. And I put the record down and look at it. And I know that's not good. And I put the next record down. And then voila, it's uh, sensational. Then the only issue is clearances. Yeah, yeah, and but but you know we do have a music budget. Uh, sometimes uh, Helen, our line producer, will say to me, "Can you pick a different song?" Because they want you know twenty thousand dollars. Right. But I want to say to you that um, what I really wanted to say to you was, you get back out there and you keep making movies because. You are really just uh, such an important part of people's lives. You have made life worth living. Well, you, what yeah, and your is just happening? Uh, what is happening? What is happening? Uh, we are un- uh, we are done. We are done. No, that, the uh, world the is right over. Now. Let's end the episode. Let's walk away. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Forever. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram, at Forever Dog Team, and liking our page on Facebook.